Well, amen. I absolutely love hearing testimonies like that. Um, the fact that, that he could say at 10 years old, you know, coming to Christ and then having that dream of being a professional athlete one day. And I love what he said there. He said, man, I want to be a professional athlete and perform at the highest level so I can impact people for the kingdom. Uh, what a blessing. What a praise. And, and I love that both those guys talked about, Lord, can we, can we perform well? Uh, Brock Purdy's prayer is simply, Lord, give me the right mindset. Right? Help me to think about these things the way I should, to be balanced in my thinking, to be even keel when we're high, when we're low, when we're doing well, and we're having troubles. Uh, and I love what uh, the Kansas City Chiefs player said. Uh, his prayer is what? What was his prayer? Lord, I want to thank you for your faithfulness to me. Like, you've been so good to me. So thank you for your faithfulness. And then I love he says, and for protection. I mean, just thinking about those kind of things. And, and I love when I hear about prayer being included in athletics. And I know we live in a culture today where that's kind of seen as almost like a negative thing or it's being kind of shunned or whatever. Uh, but I still see it all the time. I hear about it all the time. Um, and I was, I was blessed to, and I, I won't go into too much detail, but I was blessed to be able to be at a, a, a sporting event yesterday morning and just watching some, some kids wrestle and stuff and, and kind of have some fun with a, a family that was involved in that and stuff. And one of the amazing things was, um, and, and I, I don't even, I never said anything to the person because I just kind of saw it, but I saw right before the, the matches really got going, um, I saw this dad kind of lean over with his boys and just say, hey, let's pray. Let's pray before you guys get out there. Like that, that's awesome, right? That's amazing to see how we can incorporate our faith into our everyday lives. And I know some of you are like, well, I'm not a sports fan. I'm not a football fan. That doesn't matter. How is God calling you to incorporate your Christianity, your Christian walk, which is a walk, by the way, right? It's not something we walk out on Sunday and put on the shelf and then we pick it back up and we walk it back out on Sunday. It's an everyday walk, amen? It's something every day we're walking with the Lord. So how can we incorporate that into everything we do? And let's apply that to our daily lives before you go into that meeting at work and you got to have that conversation with somebody. Take a moment and pray and say, God, give me wisdom and guidance and an understanding to communicate effectively that I could be an encouragement to this individual or this team that I'm working with or, or whatever you're doing. Maybe you work a job where you're by yourself a lot of the time and you're kind of doing more projects and individual things like that. Then pray every day. Lord, help me to give my very best today when no one's looking. If you're you to know and be glorified in what I'm doing today. And see, that's why I love things like this when we can see that example in athletics and we see players performing at the highest level and yet still saying, Lord, I, I want to make this about you. I want to make sure you're glorified in all of this. And so really this morning, what I want to do is I'm going to talk through some things. And I know we have our, our junior church kids in here. and We're so excited to have you guys. And so for those of you that know how our normal Sunday morning services go, I will be a little shorter this morning. Okay. And no doubt just like washed over the room. Like there's no way promise you it will happen. So, um, because I want to make sure we work through the text and we, and we keep everyone's attention as long as we can. Okay. And so we're going to walk through this text this morning. I want to go to Exodus chapter four. So Exodus chapter four, and we're just going to read a couple of verses in Exodus four. And so if you're using one of the Bibles provided, uh, you can turn to page 44. So Exodus chapter four, or Exodus chapter four, and if you're using a Bible provided, page forty-four. Uh, and this morning, I want to really talk about how we can get plugged into, and we're taking the same theme through the morning: God's game plan. That that you and I can get in the game; that we can be involved in what God is doing. So as you're turning to Exodus four, we think about God's game plan. 
Like, like what is God's game plan? So the teams playing this afternoon, this evening, they have a game plan. So those coaches have spent two weeks watching film, studying the other team, looking at their strengths, at their weaknesses. What do they do well? What do they not do so well? And then the defensive side of the ball is going to say, hey, we need to do everything we can to stop all the things they do well. And then the offensive side of the ball is going to say, okay, here's where their defense is lacking a little bit. They're not as good in this area or that area. So how can we really take advantage of that? And so if their, their secondary defense isn't very good, their, their safeties aren't very good, their corners aren't good, okay, we're going to do a lot of passing. We're going to try to really utilize that. And if they're not very good up front, we're going to try to run the ball a lot. They have a game plan. And then what's amazing is when they go into halftime, and many of you that love sports or watch football and stuff, or really a lot of sports do this, at halftime, they go into the locker room, and what do those coaches now do? They look at the first two quarters and go, man, okay, this worked really well. Like, we were doing really good in this area, but this didn't really work so well. So we need to kind of revamp this a little bit. We need to adjust. And if you're watching the game this evening, or if you watch most sports, you hear a lot about adjusting, a lot about adjusting to what the other team's doing, okay? Now, some of you got a little frustrated because you didn't feel like the Lions defensive coordinator did that very well, okay? And you were probably frustrated in the third quarter. Like, why are we still doing, I, I'm not going to say Zach had conversations with me with, about this, but Zach Webb and I had some conversations and he was a little frustrated some Sundays, like, what are we doing, okay? But that's that game plan, right? You can prepare and you plan and then you get involved in the plan. You can have the greatest game plan, but if you just sit on the bench and never put it into practice, you're never going to see success. And so what is God's game plan? Well, if we really had to boil it down, I mean, if we are talking about the basic plan that God has for this world, for humanity, it would be something like this. God's game plan is focused on his glory. So number one, the game plan is glorifying God. That, that's number one out the gate. But also his game plan includes the salvation of the lost, so those that don't know Christ coming to Christ. So there's a game plan there. There's a, there's a plan in place to see that take place. And then also the maturing of his church. So if you had to really boil down God's game plan, like what is God all about? It, you really could, and we could go so much more in depth, but if we had to get the basis of it, it's that God will be glorified, that the lost will be saved, and that once we are saved, we're going to mature or grow in Christ. That's his plan. And you and I, as followers of Christ, we've already been saved. We're already walking with Christ. We are invited. We are called to be in the plan, to be active in what God is doing. God's word is full of examples. So, so I want to look at one example of this. Let's go to Exodus 4. Many of you are already there. If you're not there yet, just hold your Bible open a little bit past the beginning and you'll be fine. No one will know. Exodus 4. Look at verse 14. It says, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. Now, if you read all of this, you're going to find out Moses was making a lot of excuses. It says, the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And he said, is not Aaron the Levite thy brother? I know that he can speak well. And also, behold, he comes forth to meet thee. And when he sees thee, he will be glad in his heart. And thou shalt speak unto him and put words in his mouth. And I will be with thy mouth and with his mouth. And will teach you what you shall do. And he shall be thy spokesman unto the people. And he shall be even as he shall be to thee instead of a mouth. And thou shalt be to him instead of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for this opportunity to come together to worship you. 
Lord, I pray that you'd help us in what we're talking about this morning to, to see that, that there is a plan and that you are active in accomplishing this plan. And so, Lord, when we talk about getting in the game and getting involved, it means we want to get active in what you're doing in the world. We want to be a part of what you're doing for your glory so that others will be saved and come to Christ. And that once saved, they will grow in Christ as we continue to mature in Christ. So, Father, help us to to get in the game. Help us to stop making excuses, but also to realize where you've placed us, how you've equipped us. And again, so that those things will happen for your glory. So, Father, again, thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for this morning, for those that have gathered together. And again, may you be glorified in all that is said and done. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we look at, just for a moment, this individual Aaron. Now, Aaron is the brother of Moses. And I want to see him as an example of what it means to kind of get in the game, to be involved where God has placed us. Just like Aaron, we've been given a chance to get in the game, to be involved. So I want to ask you a question as we start. You don't need to answer out loud, but just to think about this this morning. Are you sitting on the bench or are you taking the field? Like, are you sitting on the bench or are you actively involved in what God is doing? Aaron had a choice to make. Would he go along with the plan? Would he get involved? Would he say, okay, yes, I'm going to go along with you, Moses. I'll do that. I'll be your spokesman. I'll be involved in whatever you want to do. We see that he does agree and does go along with the plan and use his gift for God. You can jot down Exodus chapter 7, verses 1 and 2 for that. And again, if you're taking notes, there are notes on the app. I mentioned that a little while ago, uh, but if you need a reminder about that, there are notes on the app, and all of these verses should be on there as well, all right? So Exodus 7, we see that Aaron does get in the game. He does get involved. Uh, Some of you are already thinking about where Aaron kind of blew it a little bit. We'll get to that in just a moment. But Aaron initially says, yeah, I'll do that, Moses. Let's get in the game. I'll do it. Let's go. I'll be all in, whatever you need. See, Aaron was Moses' mouthpiece because Moses told God that he couldn't do what God called him to do because he felt inadequate to speak in the royal courts. And he mentions this in Exodus 3. So that was just one excuse that Moses gave. Well, you know, God, I would totally do what you're calling me to do, but I can't speak very well. I'm not very adequate. I can't really communicate well in the royal court. So I don't think that's for me. I don't think I can do that. And I love what God does. God does get frustrated with Moses, right? And what is his reminder? Hey, who made your mouth, right? If I can form you of the dust of the ground, I can use you. But God is so gracious to us that even when we throw out those lame excuses that really have no basis in reality, he will, through different means, say, okay, okay, then here, I'll give you this one to walk with you. I'll give you this one that can speak for you. Now, we know that God ends up thankful for God's grace to give us those individuals in our lives that walk with us through those seasons of doubt, confusion, uh, not understanding how God can use us, maybe because of different things in our life, but God is gracious to us. See, Aaron got in the game, and we have the same call from the Lord over our lives. As we talked about last week, we have a race to run. So whether it's running and the idea of racing or if it's athletics like football, whatever it is, the idea is get off the sideline, get off the bench. You see, through Christ, we have all that we need. James chapter 1 verse 17 says this, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from 
above. The Lord blesses us with everything we need, both physical talents, spiritual gifts in Christ. We have received everything we could need to get involved, to get in the game, and by the way, to see success. Now, that's the part I really want to kind of talk about for just a second. We think, well, but yeah, but if I get involved, I'm going to blow it. The success of the plan doesn't reside on you. It's not your ability that sees the success of the plan. God will bring these things about. He invites us into the plan so that we can be blessed by being involved and his glory go forth. He's the one that's giving you everything you need. He's the one that's working in you. He's the one that's strengthening you. And he's the one that's seeing the plan come to play, come to be succeeded and and successful. And so God is working in all of that. And again, that's where we step a little bit away from our analogy of sports and athletics because, again, the coach can only do so much, right? And the coach can have the best plan, but the players have to implement the plan. And a lot of times that's where the struggle comes. But in our example of what we're talking about, when we get in the game of what God is doing, God is the one out there with us, giving us the strength to do what he's called us to do. The Lord blesses us again with all that we need. We are given everything we need to fill our position on the team. Now, a couple weeks ago, we were blessed, and everyone has a purpose to fulfill in the church for the body of Christ and for the glory of God. And and the example was actually that of golf clubs, that every golf club has a different purpose, a different use, and every individual in the church, like the body, has a different purpose and a different use. But they're all needed. And every single player is needed on the field. Uh, like, like if you don't even put all your players on the field, you're not going to be very successful. But God has called all of us to get involved. And we all have a position to fill on the team. And not based on who you are or how good you are, but on what God has already done. So number one, we need to know that we can get in the game. That that's even an opportunity for you to get involved and get plugged in. But secondly, I want to encourage you to get behind the coach, uh, to get behind the coach, to get behind what God is doing. We have a coach in Christ. You see, the Bible says in Exodus 4, it's a very strange text, but he says here in verse 16, when he's talking about that, that Aaron is going to be Moses' spokesman, and he says, and he shall be, even he shall be to thee instead of a mouth. So, so Aaron is going to be like the mouth of Moses, going to speak the words of Moses. But then it ends in kind of a unique phrase. It says, and thou shalt be to him instead of God. Now, this is not encouraging idolatry. This is not saying that Aaron should worship Moses. What this is communicating is that God has specifically placed Moses over Aaron so that Aaron can grow in God, in a relationship with God through Moses. That Moses is going to communicate the words of God to Aaron. That Moses is going to be the one that is kind of that, that, that connector between Aaron and God. That he's going to be that one that's going to guide him and lead him and direct him to a relationship with God. He's going to be basically his coach. He's going to give him everything he needs to be successful. Now we see this is really important because Aaron, like us, as we'll talk about in a moment, had a problem with giving into peer pressure. Aaron had a problem with giving into peer pressure, and he needed a guide. So Exodus 32, 1 through 5, we see that, that Aaron gave in and, and gave in to the call of the people to make a golden calf and begin to worship, allow others to worship that calf and, and direct attention away from God. 
But we're no different. We read that text and go, how could Aaron be so foolish? How could Aaron do that? We do the same thing. We do the same thing. When, when God chooses to do something different than we want, we start trying to create our own little idols to make us happy, to make, make us feel uh, at peace. We try to build up our little kingdoms and try to really worship that. We can easily get distracted by peer pressure, by popular opinion. You see, when we are pushed by our culture without Christ there to lead us, we would give in to peer pressure every single time and surrender to public opinion. If we want to accomplish anything in this, him to abide in nothing. There is nothing we can do for his glory apart from him doing it in us and through us. So, so my question to you is this, are you trusting in our coach? Maybe you're saved and you receive Christ your Lord and Savior, but are you following him? Are you setting before you the desire to please Christ today, to let him lead you and guide you? Will you do anything he asks of you because you know he has proven his love and commitment to you? I'm always amazed when I hear players talk about their coach. And they'll say things like, man, I just, I just love our coach because he just, he gets us. And he, he gets behind us and he supports us and, and he pushes us. He believes in us. He rallies with us. And, and I mean, I play for that kind of coach. And I, I've heard players say, I'll run through a wall for my coach because I know he's committed to me. Now understand, we've talked about this before. Yes, Jesus Christ is rallying behind you, but it's not because he needs you so much as we desperately need him and he knows what's going to motivate us to do what he's calling us to do. And so our coach is not only one that's going to cheer for us and support us, our coach is the one that's gotten in the game, that is doing everything that is needed, and all he's asking us to do is get involved, just rally behind him, just follow his example, his leadership in our lives. And to realize that when we get behind our coach and we believe in our coach's commitment not only to keep us in Christ, but also to the plan that God has laid forth. You see, Jesus Christ is faithful to you because Jesus Christ is faithful to himself. He's faithful to the Father. He's faithful to the promises of God that he said, I will never leave you or forsake you. And that's why he rallies when we feel discouraged, disappointed, and the Spirit of God begins to lift our hearts and minds. You see, we have a coach that has gone before us that is committed to seeing God's plan fulfilled. And he's calling us to follow him. So we have a coach we can get behind. And because we have that coach, because we have that relationship, because we have all that we need in God, we can remove the excuses. And we hear God has a plan, that he has a place for us on the field, and yet we struggle believing it can be true. We make excuses of why we just can't get involved. We just can't get in the game. I want to give you three excuses that, that I think are pretty common among most followers of Christ. One of those excuses is our fear of not knowing enough. I've heard this. Man, I would do what God's calling me to do, but I just don't know enough of God's word. I don't know enough about this. I've not studied that. I didn't go to Bible college. I didn't do this. I just, I don't know that God can use me. I've only been saved this amount of time. I don't know. I didn't grow up in church. I don't know all the Bible stories. I don't know who Abraham's third cousin on his mother's side is. I don't know that. By the way, you don't need to know that most likely, but, but we do that. I just don't know enough. If I just, you know what? If I just knew more, then God 
could use me. Let me just remind you, God is not limited by your knowledge of him. As long as you know him as Lord and Savior, he can use you. Now, should we grow in Christ? Should we grow in a knowledge of God's word? Should we study to show ourselves approved? Of course we should. But none of that keeps you from living for Christ, for being used for Christ. Of course there's things we don't know. Listen, there's so many things I don't know about God's word. There's a vast amount of things about God's word that so many men know so much more than I do. It, it just, it's, it's humbling. When I listen to either other per, uh, pastors preach or I, I listen to professors from different seminaries talk and, and I think, man, I, that's amazing that they know that. Like, that's amazing that God has given them that wisdom. There's much I don't know, but it would be on me if I told God, no, God, you can't use me because I don't know enough. No, if we have a relationship with Christ through Christ, we can be used by Christ. In your notes, there's a reference to Acts chapter 4. I wanna, I'm not going to turn there for time, told that we're not religiously qualified, meaning they didn't pass all the benchmarks of the religious elite. They didn't know all the things they were supposed to know, but they knew one thing, Jesus. I love the verse where it says that we don't know much about these guys. They're, they're foolish. They're kind of, they're not very educated. They're not very learned men, but we know they've been at the feet of Jesus. And so again, this is not to knock studying the Bible or studying at a Christian university. Of course, we should do that and pursue that if God has called you to do that. But to use that as an excuse is foolish because God, of course, can use you. If you know him, you know him. And that's all we need to know. So our fear of not knowing enough, another excuse we might use to stay on the bench, our fear of our inability to be used. Now, this comes to two things. This usually creeps up because we think that a past sin will keep us from being usable. A past sin will keep us from being usable. And once we blow it, we get pulled and we get put on the bench for good. We, we blew it on the field and so God says, nope, you're done, puts us on the bench, and that's where we stay the rest of our lives. We never get back in the game because I blew it. Now, when we repent and turn from our sin to Christ, and we should always repent from sin, we should never live in unrepentant sin as followers of Christ. We are called by God and worked on by the Spirit to repent and turn back to him. But when we turn back to Christ, you know what's amazing what our coach does? And I've seen this before in athletics too. I almost picture this, when we blow it, and we've sinned in some way and we get pulled from the game by our own doing and we're sitting on the bench and we're beating ourselves up and we're tearing ourselves down and we feel horrible for what we've done. The coach doesn't stand off on the distance and holler at us and remind us how horrible we are. You know what our coach does? He comes over and he sits right next to us. He puts his arm around us and he says, hey, yeah, that was, that was wrong. You shouldn't have done that. You know you shouldn't have done that. And we say, man, I know I'm really sorry. I, 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 I know that was the wrong thing to do. I don't want to do that again. Would you, would you forgive me of that? And the coach says, yeah, you're forgiven. I'll tell you what, why don't you take a breath? Because in a couple of plays, you're going back in. I, I imagine Christ does that with us. There are times where we sin or we fall into sin. That, yeah, it's okay to kind of step back and, and take a breath. Kind of say, okay, I need to get my thoughts together. I need to kind of regroup here a little bit. I repent of this. I turn it back over to Christ and I know he's forgiven me. But I take a moment. I just kind of, okay, Lord, build me back up a little bit in my understanding of who I am in Christ. Like, remind me of that. And then what do we do? We get back in the game. We don't sit on the bench and just sulk. 
Because the coach is not reminding us of our sin. Our coach is saying, hey, I'm ready to put you back in. You ready to go? Come on, I got, I got a place for you on the team. Let's go. But I think our coach is calling us to do that. Of course, we struggle with this because we're humans. And our flesh can scream very loud when we stumble and fall. We actually talked about this on Wednesday night, the last couple of Wednesday nights from Psalm 51. David repented of his sin with Bathsheba and Uriah and all of that. And I'm not going to go into details too much of the text, but, but the key is there's an amazing switch in the psalm, in Psalm 51, where David, once he understands he's been restored, once he understands he's been forgiven, it says, then I will go and tell wrongdoers and sinners your ways. I love that. You know what? That's what David's doing. He's saying, I blew it. I blew it bad. I've sought forgiveness. I know God has forgiven me. I know God still is going to use me. So now this sinner who's a saint in Christ, but who struggles with sin, now I get to go be a blessing to someone else, another sinner, and tell them about how good God's faithfulness, grace, and compassion is for them. And we just begin to be used by God to be able to communicate that to someone else. So we get back in the game. This also can happen not so much because of a past sin, but we almost feel like we're just not good enough to be used. So our inability to be used comes from a past sin or just we're just not good enough. We're just not as effortlessly. It just, I mean, I, I've said this before, and this isn't to embarrass anyone, but, but I truly believe we have been blessed with some amazing and talented singers and musicians in this church. I mean, for, for Danielle and Renee to get up and sing like that, that was powerful, such an amazing blessing. But you might be sitting there thinking, like, if I could sing like them, I'd get involved. We, we do that all the time. If I could play like so-and-so, if I could play guitar like Jeff, then, yeah, I would get in the praise, man. I would do that. If I could play guitar like Alex, then, man, I would definitely get up and do that. Do you know what's amazing when I talk to a lot of our singers and musicians and things like that? You know their heart? Is, is they're thinking the same thing you're thinking? Man, I'm just, I'm not good enough to do this, but God has put me in this position, so I'm just going to use my gifts and talents for him. Because it's not about them, right? But we do that. We look around the field and we go, I'm not nearly as good as that guy or that woman, or I can't do what they do, and that's okay. I guarantee you, it's not as effortless as you think it is for them. I guarantee you, it takes time of prayer and study and growing in the Lord and keeping their eyes on him. Remember, your ability is not what God is looking for primarily. God is looking for your availability. I love this quote from Charles Stanley. Charles Stanley said this, If we submit ourselves to God and obey his word to us, he will make us competent for whatever task he gives us. If we just submit to him and say, Lord, I want to be used by you, he will work in us. He will equip us to do what he's called us to do. One more excuse, and then we're going to close. We also see not only our fear of our inability to be used, but our fear of failure. Again, this is not due to past failures, but potential future failures. What if I mess up? What if I fail? What if I don't do it right? What then? Will you continue to serve and trust in grace? Will you continue to say, you know what, Lord, I want to believe that you're going to use me, but what if I blow it? Then you take that excuse, you take that mindset, and you say, Lord, I don't want to, I don't want to fail, but I know I'm human and I might. So I'm going to acknowledge that could happen and I'm just going to continue to trust you and serve you and rely on grace. Because the truth is, sooner or later, we all will mess up to some degree. We're all going to blow it. 
You're going to say something you probably shouldn't have said. You're going to act in some way you shouldn't have acted. You're going to get frustrated. You're going to be tired. You're not going to want to do whatever it is. Of course, we're not going to do this perfectly. But we acknowledge that and we just say, Lord, I want to continue to serve you and love you and, and just receive that grace and mercy you have for me that I might honor you. Every athlete, no matter the sport, will tell you that you're going to miss a block. You're going to drop a pass. If you're a baseball player, you're going to strike out. You're going to overthrow first base. Whatever sport it is, right? If you're a wrestler, you're going to get pinned sooner or later. You're not going to win every match. You're not going to do that move right or this move right. It's going to happen. So what is it that every athlete will also tell you? You don't dwell on that mistake. You don't let it carry over to the next at-bat. You don't let it carry over to the next play. You don't let it carry over to the next whatever it is that you're doing. You have to move forward. You have to move on. You learn from it and you move on from it. And I love that God's grace gives us the ability to do that in this life. So my encouragement to all of us today is to stop making excuses that keep you on the bench. Focus on who God says you are in Christ. Get in the game and follow our coach's lead because we have already won. We've already won. We're already victors in Christ. Our coach knows what's best for us, what the absolute best is for us, and desires for us to experience a deeper joy in him and in his grace. So why would we not follow his lead in our lives when we know that is true? I'm going to ask our, our praise team to come. We're going to close our service in a song of invitation. As they, I just want to remind you and encourage you involved in what he's doing. That if you know Christ as your Lord and personal Savior, that you can get involved in what God is doing right there in your daily influence, in your daily lives. Whether it's at school, at home, at the job, here in the church, maybe there's something God is calling you to. Whatever it is, you can be involved. So here's what I want to do. As you begin to pray right there where you are, I'm going to ask you if you're going to be honest with God and say, Lord, you know the excuses I've been making. Maybe it's the excuse why you won't witness to your coworker. Maybe it's the excuse why you won't do that ministry that God is calling to you, serve in that ministry the way he's calling you to. I don't know what it could be for you. Maybe it's the excuse of why you don't get in the word like you should or you don't pray like you should or whatever excuse it is, whatever you're allowing to keep you on the bench, I pray that you would spend just these couple moments and say, Lord, help me to remove these excuses because they're not based in reality, that you have given me all that I need so that I might serve you so that you might be glorified. Others may come to Christ and those that come to Christ may grow. I also want to encourage and just remind everyone here this morning as you continue to pray that if you don't know Christ as your Lord and personal Savior, that you can come to know him today. From the youngest to the oldest, if you have not repented of your sin, which just means understanding that you've sinned, you've done wrong things, and we all have, and that Jesus Christ died on the cross for those sins. And that anyone who calls upon the name of Christ and asks him to save them will be saved and given eternal life. I love that I heard the Kansas City player say that he was saved at 10 years old. And growing up in a Christian home, in a home that loved the Lord. So thankful for families of 
followers of Christ that are creating a heritage of faith in their homes, that their children and grandchildren are growing up in the faith. And so thank you to mom and dad and grandma and grandpa that are doing that today, laying that groundwork so that your children and grandchildren will, will potentially come to know the Lord and know the truth of the gospel. Father, as we've walked through many things this morning, Lord, I pray that you'd give us wisdom and guidance. I pray that you would be glorified in all that was said and done. I pray, Lord, that if there's anyone here who doesn't know you, they'd come to know you before they leave this place. And thank you, Lord, for being all that we could ever need. Thank you for being the one that loves us and cares for us, that leads us and guides us. May we get involved in what you're doing, that we might experience the great blessing and joy of serving our King, seeing you glorified. And again, help us to remove excuses, to get in the game, to be active in what you're doing, not comparing ourselves to one another, but knowing that you've called us right where we are, gifted us, and strengthened us to do what we've called to do. Thank you, Father, for all that you're doing. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you go ahead and stand to your feet this morning as we're letting a song of invitation, whether you want to come and pray here at the altar, there in your seats, whatever it is that God is doing, would you just respond to him as we sing and worship him this morning?